You're listening to the Hotard Huddle Podcast, presented by me, Michael Hotard. Check it out as we dive into sports, movies, music, TV, and more. This is the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Bring it in. It's time for the Hotard Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hotard. On today's episode, I am super excited. Uh, One of my good friends stops by, Andrew Blackwell, uh, who used to own the business that I was employed by. Uh, Grew up with him, went to high school with him, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his newest business venture, and that is Main Squeeze Juice Company, which is a growing um, uh, superfood business right here in New Orleans, Louisiana, backed by some Saints players like Thomas Morstead, and uh, super excited to talk to him. Uh, he's also in my fantasy football league, and our draft is later today when this episode releases. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, get a little smack talk in there as always. So stay tuned for him coming up. First up on today's episode, um, you might notice behind me this nice new piece of artwork here, and it depicts all of the movies and TV shows, biggest mobsters, guys like Vito Corleone, um, Tony Montana, Sonny Corleone, uh, Tony Soprano, the Goodfellas, you know, all these major mob guys. I'm super excited about it because I have a big mob movie fascination. That's sort of developed really within the last three to four years. Um, You know, my mom called me out a little bit on Facebook when I posted it, saying that I didn't watch Godfather until recently, and that's absolutely true. It might have been two or three years ago that I first watched the trilogy, and wow, it is fantastic. I mean, part one and part two, for me, honestly, are two of the top ten best movies of all time, and I think Godfather part one probably takes the cake for my favorite movie of all time, so... I'm a big fan of them from The Godfather to Goodfellas to Scarface. Um, you know, uh, another big favorite of mine is American Gangster with Denzel Washington, where he portrays Frank Lucas. And I think part of the appeal with mob movies for me, in a sense, is it depicts a very accurate under the table version of what I think our political world looks like it's a lot of wheeling and dealing it's a lot of underhanded tactics both in business morally whatever the case may be to get ahead Um, but it's it's money it's power it's greed it's essentially the American dream in a nutshell and I am a huge fan so I'm pumped about this painting uh, got it on Etsy for just 40 bucks, so that is pretty much the steal of the year for me as far as things I'm going to buy. But enough about that. The main topic I want to talk about on this first segment here is some of the biggest news or breaking news we've heard in the sports world in quite some time, and that is the retiring of Indianapolis Colts quarterback Andrew Luck. Now, Andrew Luck is without a doubt when healthy, a top five quarterback, if not better. But he's one of those guys who's dealt with injury after injury after injury, and currently he is dealing with uh, injury on his ankle near the top of his ankle. So 
He comes out. He said he had been mulling retirement for about two weeks once that injury happened. The Colts actually uh, came out and said that they were gonna, they were thinking about placing him on the IR to start the season. So once again, here it goes. The season starts, and Andrew Luck wouldn't be available. And the unfortunate part about it is, this is a team that was looked at as a Super Bowl favorite. In fact. I had them going to the AFC Championship and ultimately losing, but I had them making a deep run, and a lot of that stems on the shoulders of Andrew Luck. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate because he retired before 30, before 30 years old because of all these injuries that piled up. And in his press conference, he talked about dealing with the injuries, dealing with the rehab, and he's just emotionally and mentally beat down. So when that news broke, not only did it essentially break my heart a little bit just because that's such a tough pill to swallow and so tough to see a guy like that go through who's one of the league's good guys, Um, but just knowing that this guy worked his whole life to get here and essentially was stripped away just because of injuries, that sucks. And no matter which way you slice it up, that's, that's not good for anybody. But he's recently married. I did read and that he had a child on the way. I didn't really dive into that too much. But if that's the case, you know, go be with your family. Go enjoy your new wife and potentially your new child and just live life, you know. he uh, And the Colts, one of the things I love that they did is – they paid him X amount of whatever's left on his contract. Now, they're not giving him the whole thing, but they basically gave him a send-off check, essentially. And I think that's really awesome of an organization, a super, super awesome move by them, um, letting him go out with a little bit of dignity because as much as he tried, and this is really why I want to talk about this, the fans tried to rip that away. Now... I have no problem railing on sports fans because, quite frankly, sports fans, when it comes to things like this, are the biggest bunch of pieces of shit on this planet. When guys go down, you don't cheer for an injury. When a guy is retiring because of an injury, when he has given you his all, his all, and made the Colts a dumpster fire of an organization relevant. Because after Peyton Manning left, the Colts were a shit show, period. They win the sweepstakes for Andrew Luck. And he instantly boosts the morale and the wins of that franchise. And you're going to treat him like that? Come on. That's a shit move by a shit group of people. This guy just had everything. Everything he's worked his entire life for ripped from him because of things outside of his control. When you look at the list of the injuries that Andrew Luck has had over the course of his career, I can't fault the guy for calling the quits. He's had two torn cartilages in his ribs, partially torn abdomen, a lacerated kidney that left him peeing blood, at least one concussion, a torn labrum in his throwing arm or throwing shoulder, and now this calf ankle issue. That's just the short list of the things we know about as far as Andrew Luck goes. 
And he, despite all of that, he's come back and he's won a lot of games for you. When he's on the field, it's rare that he's going to have a losing record over the course of a season. And that's how you treat him? That's fucked up. It's fucked up. There's no two ways to slice that. And again, this is my biggest problem with sports fans. When things like this happen, they act like this. And, you know, I've seen I've seen some of the analysts try to defend it saying, well, you know, they're emotional. No, fuck them. Fuck them. Who cares about them? They're just fans. They're not out there putting their bodies on the line. And if you sit here and say, well, I pay my money to go every week. Well, don't fucking go then. But don't go cheer a guy who has to retire because of injury. Are you fucking kidding me? That's bullshit. And if you are the type of person that does that, or you're the type of person that cares more about your fantasy team, whatever the case may be, go drink bleach because you're a piece of shit. So I'm joined today by Andrew Blackwell, who is uh, one of my good friends. We used to work together. And, uh, you know, quite the business resume that uh, you've built for yourself in the last uh, couple of years, you know, um, from being a franchisee with Anytime Fitness to now uh, Main Squeeze Juice Company, yeah. which is a uh, couple of local guys start. Obviously, you know, the health industry is there's a big need for it, not just in um, Louisiana, but the United States. But, of course, being in Louisiana, that helps a lot. But, sure. Um, talk a little bit about that, man, and uh, let's let's dive into some main squeeze action. You know, what are you guys? Sure. Well, uh, you know, first of all, thanks for finally having me on the show, Mike. Um, you know. <laughs> it's been three episodes. <laughs> well, you know, uh, in the studio. How's that? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so main squeeze, um, we are a, uh, a juice and smoothie bar company. Uh, it originated out of Lake Charles, Louisiana, so we're a local Louisiana homegrown company. Um, we don't have any added sugar, preservatives, any types of uh, syrups or artificial flavorings. Um, so it really fit well with our whole vision of making healthy easier. And so, you know, by just taking simple ingredients, fruits, vegetables, a few superfood additives, and, um, you know, blending that up into healthy nutrition options for people to take on the, on the go. Now, with uh, Main Squeeze, um, you know, I remember sitting at, uh, at Jen's house because I was still working for you guys with Anytime, and y'all had announced that y'all were going to be franchising it. Um, one of the things that you told me was the Acai uh, Berry Bowl will change your life. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because, you know, you talk about – um, these healthy options and kind of how it's just a different twist on what you would think would be healthy. When I say that, I mean places like Smoothie King, like, you know, like Main Squeeze, just seeing that process, kind of you telling me about it and then seeing you do the juicing firsthand. It's all natural. It's, it's really awesome stuff. And the products there, I, you know, from the smoothies to the bowls to the juices, Never in a million years did I think I would actually enjoy going and grabbing a juice, but just the other day, one of my personal favorites that I uh, grabbed is the Alive, yeah. which you can tell me all the ingredients. I still couldn't list all of them, but that one's one of my favorites. Yeah, so there's actually not as many ingredients as you'd think. Um, 
So in Alive, we have lemon, filtered water, um, cayenne, maple, and blue magic. And so blue magic is one of our superfood additives. It's actually a derivative of spirulina. Uh, so it's, a, it's an algae it's a, um, that, we, that we harvest out of a lake in Oregon. And um, so yeah, that's what gives it that bright blue color. And uh, it's great for inflam inflammation uh, reduction and um, as well as you know, high, amounts of trace pro or, uh, high amounts of protein and trace minerals. So. Now with uh, with the cayenne, I think that's kind of the probably the turnoff at first, but I, dude, that's one of my favorite parts about it. You know, when I first tried mm -hmm. it, I didn't think for a second that oh, there's cayenne in this. Like, I'm gonna hate this, but no. Like, what, after you kind of get used to the initial idea that there's a little spice to the juice, mm -hmm. it's fine. And now, like I said, I mean that and the detox are my two go-to. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, and so um, you know, it's it's one of uh, one of two spices that we have, uh, and so again, you know, that cayenne's also great for kind of help kickstart the uh, metabolism and really just kind of you know get the body going. So, um, but going back to the acai bowls really quickly, so our acai is actually wild harvested in northeast Brazil. So that's one of the reasons um, it's got a very um, a very fresh flavor to it because a lot of acai bowls are used with like powders or different things like that. Um, it's not actual fresh acai. So uh, we actually support a tribe in Northeast Brazil. They go and uh, they go and wild harvest it for us. They package it and send it straight to us. So some of the freshest acai you can get in the States. Uh, if you haven't had one, I highly suggest trying it. Cause like I said, it'll, it'll change your life. Uh, it's breakfast for me most mornings. So <laughs> no, man, they, they're fantastic. I didn't even know what um, acai was before you guys dove into the main squeeze, you know, I've, I'd seen the word, but never actually knew what the hell it was. Um, but no, I'm, I'm a big fan of the acai berry bowl. And then one of the things I find interesting, y'all's bananas, because uh, this is one of the things you'll get added to the berry bowl, um, which it's by far my favorite part of, uh, of the bowl is the fact with the um, acai plus the banana. I, I don't know what it is, but it it's just so good together. But y'all have a special process with y'all's bananas. Now I don't know if you can actually talk about that on record. Well, so we um we actually bring all of our bananas in house and we ripen them to a certain stage. Uh, and so um once they once they get to that certain stage, the the sugars in the banana are are just right. Um, so then we we freeze them, and then that's what acts as our ice. So. Uh, again, we don't we don't have ice in the building, and the way that we make smoothies without ice is, um, you know, we freeze those bananas uh, when they're ready to be to be frozen. So that's kind of the that's as much of the secret as I can give away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember, uh, you know, y'all talking about that process. But yeah, the bananas are amazing. Um, you know, every time I go in there and I get one of the bowls, dude, those bananas are on point every single time. Um, now, one of the cool parts of Main Squeeze, too, with you guys is, you know, with us being New Orleans bred, and of course that means we are Saints fans, mm -hmm. you know, um, you guys have uh, a former Saints player in Marcus Colson, who's one of the big backers for the company. Absolutely. Um, now, you guys just brought, now not you guys, but corporate brought on uh, Thomas Morstead, mm -hmm. who's now promoting it, and... Y'all have even had guys like Alvin Kamara run through there. Um, you know, Ryan Ramsick has actually come to your store. 
Yeah. Um, Mark Ingram, too, uh, yes. while he was with us. Uh, so yeah. it, that's got to be cool, man. You know, you get these people coming in. Um, you know, I, I know uh, Glee, Steve Gleason came through there. So you're kind of getting all the shout-outs and the promotion from all these big wigs of the New Orleans Saints. And I think you and I both know football runs this city. So, Yeah, I, I mean, you know, so, again, we're – we don't have any additives to any of our stuff other than the superfood additives, but that's, you know, uh, it's things like maca and reishi and just, you know, things that, you know, you, you're going to get in a, a powdered form anyway. Um, so it, it's just, it's all whole natural, you know, fruits and vegetables. And it's things that, you know, these athletes need to, to fuel their workouts. And so, um, you know, it, it's been really humbling to have uh, that kind of backing, especially from, such high-profile players as uh, Colston and, and Morstead, uh, who couldn't be any nicer, awesome people. Like, everything you see, um, you know, on TV, they're that way in real life. Um, so, yeah, to have them recognize the, the need and the, the quality uh, and recognize it to the point where they invest, uh, it's, it's really kind of, you know, rewarding that, you know, we're, we're doing something great here for the community. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about the uh... – the humility of a lot of these guys like Colson. It's funny. I was in um, the one on Metairie Road uh, right before you guys had opened. Mm. And uh, he was in there with uh, his wife. And then I, I can never remember her name. She's one of y'all's. Is uh, that Emily? Mm-hmm. No, not, no, I know Emily. Um, she does a lot of y'all's promotions via Facebook, like on-camera stuff. Julie? possibly okay um but they were in there shooting a promo mm-hmm. and uh i was in there with danny and i, and I was looking and i'm like why does this dude look so familiar and he's sitting back at the bar on the computer just keeping to himself and i was like and then it just dawned on me i'm like oh yeah duh it's colston um but you know you talk about the humility aspect of it like the dude doesn't stick out like a sore thumb at all when you think and it's just funny with him being a wide receiver too, just because yeah. they they have the diva, the diva shtick, so to speak. But he's, dude, he was just hanging in there doing his work and kind of keeping to himself. But it was cool, man. It was it was cool to see that you know, I guess from his standpoint, like you know, just a guy trying to trying to make it life after football. And you know, it's funny because. You get around people like that, and um, you want to go up to him and be like, hey, man, can I get a picture? But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, the dude looks like he's working on his yeah. laptop. I'm not going to bother him. Yeah, but, but I mean, he, he probably would have absolutely given you yeah. that picture. So uh, that's what's really cool about him. So, But, um, you know, I guess from turn away from main squeeze here uh if you want of course go ahead and plug where you guys are located yeah so you know we're located on uh 3660 veterans we're right across the street from the barnes and nobles uh right in the lowe's parking lot so uh it's a brand new building we have a drive through come see us boom there's the plug um but no so you, you you know i talked about this earlier um from anytime fitness to main squeeze you've kind of dabbled quite a bit in owning your own business um and just trying to trying to make it on your own you know of course um you know it was your sister who originally opened the anytime fitness Mm -hmm. which you were personal training manager of course you start off just working part-time in the office while in school yeah but you were ingrained in that 
business from the time you were what a freshman or sophomore in college uh freshman i mean i I actually was able to go to the franchise training um the summer after my my senior year in high school so uh, right before i started college i was actually able to go with uh my sister on that trip um because you know she was just starting off and her husband and business partner they both had full-time jobs so she's got two tickets um, that she has to pay for anyway. So I was able to go see that, which I think really helped set a foundation for me moving forward. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I'm big on is, you know, on the subject of, you know, young entrepreneurs and people who are are looking to break into doing their own thing or, or, you know, starting a business themselves. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm big on opportunities and I'll be the first one to tell you that I've had a lot of opportunities, um, that, you know, not everybody else maybe has, like my sister starting, um, you know, a, a business. But I took advantage of a lot of opportunities. And I think that that's something that gets missed a lot with our generation. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, the overwhelming student debt and increased housing and, and these sorts of things. But there's also a lot of opportunities. And, you know, for a generation that has the Internet at their fingertips, you know, we often, uh, you know, would rather watch videos of cats than to use that you know, to, 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 to move forward in whatever your goals are. So, you know, specifically for me, uh, I was able to go with my sister. She knew I was interested in business. So she, you know, took me along. Um, but while I was there, you know, I asked questions, I participated, you know, I didn't just sit in the back or stay in the hotel room. Um, and so, you know, taking advantage of opportunities that are given to you, I think is really, really important. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, Obviously, I left and kind of now started my own company with the social media marketing, and it's it's just kind of crazy how I guess our generation thirsts for wanting something to call our own. You know, mm-hmm. um, you and I have had many conversations about this. You know, from late nights at conferences to just talking when we were working together. You know, it's it's hard to get up in the morning. One, if you're not passionate about what you do, and sure. two, you know, when when you don't have skin in the game, so to speak, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a little bit tougher to, you know, want to do the absolute best you can. You know, when you're collecting a paycheck that's ultimately going to benefit someone else and you know that you can't necessarily reap the benefits um, by going all in for, it, it's it's tougher to do. And, I mean, I think that's what the generation before us relying on was hey get my nine to five show up work Mm -hmm. hard come home with us it's like okay cool what can we do to really change our lives so to speak and break that mold yeah and 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 i hear you and and so like here's my here's my whole thing right there's nothing wrong with wanting that but often oftentimes our generation wants it way too soon Mm-hmm. And and a lot of a lot of our peers don't want to hear this, but they didn't put in the time. Yeah. Um, so you know, for me specifically, uh, all throughout college, I was working the weekends at the gym. Um, you know, and through there, I have you know, uh, just because you know, since you're here, I have to say this: I have every sales record in the office <laughs> uh, through <laughs> through that time. And so that's not necessarily to brag; it's just to say, you know, I could have very easily went in there, just did some homework you know, 
kind of floated my way through, but I really invested in it and took it, you know, on as my own. And that's easier for me to do because it was my sister's, it was family owned, if you will. Um, and so that's what I mean by I've had plenty of opportunities and I'll be the first one to, to put that out there. But, you know, push, pushing forward, trying to better the company that you're in, that you're working for is only going to create other opportunities Absolutely. because guess what? She would have never wanted to partner with me had I been a bump on the log Absolutely. just collecting a paycheck. So, well, and one of the things that I think is important, I, and I, I like that you say, cause I think it's a breath of fresh air is the fact that, you know, you had the opportunities cause a lot of, a lot of these gurus and a lot of these social media junkies and things like that don't talk about that side of it they they think they they like to paint this picture that they were literally fighting for scraps off the ground and they just built something they didn't mention that maybe their parents helped them flip a house and they turn their first profit of a million mm -hmm. they don't want to talk about all the all the side pieces that help this right grow to what it is so i think that's awesome that you know when you're talking about young entrepreneurship and you're talking about owning your own business, I think that's awesome that, you know, you're transparent about it because you know as well as I do, I, I think you and I always connected in that regard too is transparency, you know. Mm -hmm. Just let me know where we stand. That's yeah. all I want. So um, I think then transparency is a reason that I think we got along so well working together, you know. If there was an issue, it wasn't, okay, cool, let me go walk on eggshells for the next two weeks. It was like, hey, Mike, look, don't like this. Fix it. Hmm. All right, cool. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, um, so transparency with humility, I think, is is the important goal. You know, I'm going to tell you, you know, where you can improve at because that's my job as a leader. Um, but I'm also not going to, you know, try and make you feel less than. So, I mean, that's that's just, to me, that's just leadership one-on-one. But, yeah. um but yeah, so you know, like like I said, I've definitely had opportunities. But you know, along the the lines of you know fighting for scraps and all that kind of thing, um, you know, like there is there's a lot of merit to that also, though, mm -hmm. right? So for me, um, one of the things that really helped me move forward quickly was uh, my house, okay. Um, and again, I was blessed with a father-in-law that was very handy. We were able to do a good bit of the work to it ourselves yeah. and save a good bit of money. Um, but I did sacrifice weekends for months. Um, you know, I preach into the choir. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and so, and it took us, it took us, what was it, almost 10 months to yeah. find that house. Um, I could have very easily just went and bought a house at market value, um, and, you know, not had to put any work into it, but I'd be paying a much higher note. I wouldn't be able to do the things, uh, lifestyle wise that I was able to do throughout that time. Um, and then I certainly wouldn't have had the instant equity that I have in it now. And that was a plan of mine. That was a manifested plan that I had. I wanted to go in, find a fixer upper because I knew that I had the tools available to me. So it's all about capitalizing on opportunities. I knew my father-in-law was, was handy as well as my dad. My dad's handy too, by the way. Uh, sorry, Pook. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I knew that I had that. And then I also wanted to learn, like I wanted to be able to, know how to run a you know a, an outlet and and how to fix a, a ceiling fan you know and and do the things that it was going to take to keep up a household now uh, through that process i was able to get a property that had you know almost 100k in in equity and that's what it, i was able to springboard and flip into opening up two more gyms with my sister and 
um, you know, ultimately the the main squeeze. And, you know, that was the big springboard because at, yeah, at, at 25 years old, you, you're not supposed to have uh, a big stockpile of cash. So real estate is a huge way to do that. So another thing with transparency, you know, all these online gurus, they like to, you know, act like it's so easy to do this or that. Um, but they never really give you a blueprint. So I'll give you guys a blueprint. My house was a HUD home. HUD is a government um, program that's meant to get first time home buyers into homes. Uh, so this is specifically to keep it away from people who are looking to flip homes uh, for massive profits. So people with a lot of cash would go in, they'd buy this house for, you know, all cash, 10 grand more than you could afford. And then they have the resources to put money into it, flip it and make profit off of it. The government doesn't want that. They want young families to have a home, right? Uh, problem is there's not a lot of information uh, through these HUD properties. It takes a lot of, you know, uh, homework. Um, but you can go to, you know, HUD.com and find all the properties that are that are currently a, a, a HUD qualifying home. Well, I think that goes back to what you were saying about just doing the due diligence of using your smartphone and figuring these things out mm -hmm. instead of putting yourself behind the eight ball. One of the things that I've done to uh, alleviate a financial burden on me, one of the biggest financial burdens of people our age is obviously student loan debt. Yeah. Um, you know, most of us have collected over 50 grand in student loan debt. You yep. know, if you went to a four or um, four-year university and if you did like myself and took the victory lap and went for five, <laughs> you know, you're going to accumulate a lot of debt. And, um, you know, it was funny. I actually saw someone posted... Uh, the other day on Facebook, um, she had been getting calls about forgiveness programs for student loan debt. And that's what I was, I uh, wound up privately messaging her because I was reading the comments. And of course, everyone's like, it's a scam. It's a sham. It's this, it's that. I was like, look, to be frank, it's it might not be a scam. You're going to pay an arm and a leg in the first couple of months to get enrolled into the program. But once you are, then all of your, depending on which plan you're in, because I'm in one myself, your monthly, um, your monthly charge will be predicated on how much you make, your family size, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, now the big catch and the drawback to that is, well, come 20 years from now, unless a bill gets put into place that student loan debt will be forgiven for certain generations, Uncle Sam's going to come after you looking for the taxes on that. Sure. So I was like, there's definitely the the back end of it, which isn't probably good because then you're going to be paying the IRS. Now, granted, it won't be nearly as much as you would have with the principal balance, but mm -hmm. just look for that. Don't think in 20 years it's like, okay, it's all done. Right. Um, but that's what I did, and I was just kind of explaining that to her. But, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that, you know, make less than I do. Some make more than I do. Mm -hmm. And I I know they're paying out the ass for student loans right sure. now. And it's just, dude, take advantage of the programs you have in place. Kind of what mm -hmm. you did with uh, with HUD, you know. It's, it's just about finding that and, you know, finding a way to make it in this life. I mean, yeah. essentially, that's what it is. You know, so if you really do some some hard research, you know, there's a lot of checks and balances, you know, like things kind of correct themselves. And, um, you know, so I, I, look, I, and I understand and I, I don't want to generalize too many people um, who do have student loan debts and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, you said that you acquired a lot in high school, right? Or uh, in college, I'm yeah. sorry. 
how many um, scholarships did you apply for while you were in high school? Uh, zero, because, you know, 2.3 GPA. It doesn't like, matter. There's, yeah. there's a scholarship out there for, you know, the guy with the receding hairline in high school that has <laughs> a 2.3 GPA. No, but Seriously, if you ever go look at it, dude, there are hundreds of scholarships. There's, I mean, even in college, I used to see posters up um in the mass comm building for scholarships and you know all it takes is that two paragraph essay to mm-hmm. apply sometimes but mm-hmm. yeah no for sure and it's a lot of work it's a lot of headache and it's um but what they're doing is they're testing your uh your endurance you know so keep applying look at and and you know that again you can do hundreds and hundreds of applications and there's always that one person at every high school graduation where you look her up and it's usually a she you look her up <laughs> and uh and like the little you know pamphlet or whatever and it's you know yeah this this person you know has 1.3 million dollars in scholarships and um obviously she doesn't get all those or whatever but like that's what she applied and received so there's that aspect. And then there's the, the bigger aspect, which is we need to stop listening to our parents that college is so important. There is such a demand for welders right now that they'll pay you while they teach you. Dude, welders and then uh, truckers, man. People Dude, to truckers. drive the big rigs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's absolutely the adverse effect of all of us listening to our parents going to college, getting the important degree, which don't get me wrong. I'm glad I did it because one I have a degree, which yeah. a lot of um, a lot of jobs require, and two, I had a lot of fun in college. Sure, yeah. but um, no, I mean, college isn't for everybody, and that's what I, I, you know, working working in the gym and talking to a lot of you know teens who are figuring out what they're gonna do after high school. You know, I've heard so many stories of, well, I think I'm gonna just work for right now. I'm like, you're doing the smartest thing you possibly mm-hmm. can do. Don't go to a four year, waste your money. And then two years in realize you hate what you're studying. Right. It's, it's, it's pointless and now, it's a waste. I, I will, I will though further uh, that point and say, don't just go get a job as a waitress or yeah. a waiter. Um, go learn a skill. Yeah. You know, and if nothing else, it'll help you appreciate. So like when I was in high school, um, I was again, lucky enough, my high school coach, hooked me up with a job, um, you know, with an electrical company, changing out all the lights and ballasts in the school system, making $10 an hour, my first job ever. Um, you know, shout out coach, uh, coach Monair. Um, <laughs> you know, that was a great opportunity for me, but you know, I didn't just stop there. Like once that job ran out, you know, I, I kept working for that company and then, uh, it was a small mom and pop, you know, company. So when work kind of dried up there, I went and applied at all star electric and continued working through the summer, uh, after I graduated and learned a lot about electricity. Um, you know, that's a skill that is not going to go anywhere and there's nothing wrong with working in skilled labor. Absolutely not. And, um, and that's where a lot of money is. You know, a lot of people, and look, I graduated with a business degree in marketing and I can say that it's helped me 0% other than the relationships I made in college with colleagues. Um, but apart from that, uh, you know, there's really, you know, for me and, and personally, you know, if we're talking about young entrepreneurship and business, it was pretty much a, a waste. Um, yeah. Now, luckily for me, I had some scholarships and um, different things, so I didn't actually leave with student debt. But yeah. um, 
and, and I still, I'm not bashing college. I highly recommend it for people. Cause like I said, I've, I've grew a lot. I learned a lot about myself in college. Absolutely. Had a lot of fun, was able to mature. Um, but it's, it's not a requirement to be successful. Like, uh, like our parents are telling us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, with your degree, uh, and how you really haven't used it, like, I guess you thought you would, um, you know, you know the backstory with me. I mean, when I applied for the job with you guys, I mean, it was literally a Facebook message to you uh, because I had just been fired from my previous job in journalism. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, dude, saw you posted a full-time job. What is it? I need money. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, dude, making that decision uh, because I had the offer with you guys and your sister had told me, look, Take the weekend, think it over, figure out what you want to do. Would love to have you, but, you know, it's got to be something you want to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, cool. And no one had ever really told me that before in my young professional <laughs> career. So I was like, dude, that that sits well with me. Um, you know, I went that weekend, talked to Melissa, uh, you know, kind of talked to my family, my friends, because, dude, that was a huge, huge deal for me. I'm like... I have a journalism job offer or potential offer. Do I really want to waste that? That's what my degree's in. And, you know, I heard so many people say, you know, two to three years into their career. And, you know, we're all just essentially fresh out of college. And they're all like, dude, I'm not doing anything with my degree. Mm -hmm. They're like, go with what you feel. Like, take the job you think you're going to be happy at. And uh, so Monday rolls around. I call up Jen and I was like, love to come work for you guys and then that turned into a four-year gig and then you know going full circle here going back to the opportunities you know i learned a lot um from a business standpoint from uh even a marketing standpoint being being a, a essentially a general manager of a gym you deal with a lot of complaints you deal with a lot of situations that are going to make you uncomfortable you know someone gives you a call and they're like Why'd you charge me $55? You know, my bank account overdrafted. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta figure out and mend that fence, fix that situation. So, um, you know, I learned a lot of things there and then it spiraled into me jumping into another opportunity with a, a startup company. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's cool to go full circle and just kind of, Take advantage of the opportunities that come your way because you don't know what's going to come of it. I know one of the first things you told me before taking that job was, look, if you still want to get into journalism, chances are you're going to meet a lot of people who can help you get there. Or you're going to meet a lot of people who can give you other businesses that you may make more money. And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, taking the taking the job at any time. I mean, that's still one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah, you know, and and to piggyback off of that, for five years I um, I ran the the personal training department before going into ownership with uh, with my sister, and in those five years, you know, I could have just again just kind of floated by, but uh, I used that as an opportunity to really get to know different people, you know, and, and training, you know, people in pub- public service, training teachers, training people in the marine industry, training people in the uh, the petrochemical you know industry. Um, you know, I, I asked them about themselves and their jobs and, um, you know, learned a lot just from, you know, them just venting about how much, you know, they, they hated their job or, you know, they were frustrated with this or that or whatever. Um, 
And so, you know, the gym is definitely uh, a place, you know, that, that you get a lot of different, you know, people coming in. And they're going to share with you because you're, you know, you're, you're their new friend now. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that was invaluable for me, uh, as well. Just kind of getting to know, um, you know, people in different industries, getting their perspective on things and, you know, just learning what they have to teach. Now, um, you know, you had mentioned, uh, coach Modair and how he kind of helped you out and, um, you know, going back to the high school roots, I saw something you had posted, uh, during Ed Reed's. Uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. Shout out. Absolutely. Best safety of all time. I mean, on the record, let's talk about this for a second. So, Ed Reed, best safety of all time? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So, as long as we establish that. But, no, um, no it's funny because, you know, back in the day, there was a heavy debate about who was better, him or Troy Palomalu. And you were always on the Ed Reed train. And I, I wasn't. Because um, I remember in coach d's class in high school we were talking about this and you were like you know what here's why ed reed's gonna be or here's why ed reed's the better safety they can both play in the box they can both defend the pass if ed reed gets the ball in his hands he has a he has the chance to take it the other way for six and dude i mean 13 touchdowns in a long illustrious career man he is literally the greatest ball hawk of all time it's not even a debate yeah, and you know one one of the things that gets overlooked in uh, in Reed's career a lot is, um, you know, because he was such a prolific ball hawk, and honestly, like it's it's not even a question. Like anyone will tell you, Troy Palomalu will tell you, he's the best center fielder uh, in NFL history, right? Yeah. So because he was so great at that, he wasn't asked to play in the box no. a lot. Like Ed Reed was not afraid to hit people. No, uh, go check of, the highlight reel, dude. One of my favorite Ed Reed plays. Um, of him making a play in the backfield. I don't remember which running back had the ball, but it was a handoff. Running back couldn't even get three steps. He was still probably two yards behind his line. And Reed comes flying in from the edge and clips his ankle, clips the running back's ankle, which then, because of how fast Reed was moving and because of the momentum, his ankle pops into the other leg, and both legs just fly completely overhead. Dude gets upended. One of my favorite uh, backfield plays from him. But, you know, when you talk about heavy hitters, I mean, like you said, just because he played that center field role, it gets lost. But homie could lay the lumber. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously I think the thing that set Reed apart from, from any, anyone else is his ability to find the end zone and, and um, you know, score six after the turnover. And if you watch those Ravens defenses or the, those Ravens teams, as I did uh, in high school, you understand what that did for that team. Yeah. Uh, and that, that ability um, won them several games because it, nothing takes, you know, the, the, the air out of a stadium like a pick six, especially a 110-yard yeah. pick six. So um, incredible uh, player, incredible guy, super proud to have him from the hometown of Destrian, uh, and congrats to Ed Reed again for uh, for the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, man. You know, uh, myself and then Darnell were talking about this the other day um, with that Ravens defense, dude. The fact that they won so many games with guys like Kyle Bowler, playing quarterback Kyle should have been a bowler (laughs) right um but the thing that they did well 
is they knew what their strengths were and they lulled people to sleep against them because all they would do when they had Jamal Lewis, mm. run, 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 run. Yeah. And they would just play the field position game. Okay, cool. You're going to stop our three runs. Great. We're going to punt it now. And you now have to play with your back against the wall against this defense. And you talk about Reed and what he did for them. Well, when you got Reed back there, you can have guys like Peter Bolaware, um, uh, Adelius Thomas, Terrell Suggs. You can just have these guys pin their ears back, go get the quarterback. And the best part about it was, too, is they had a lockdown corner with Chris McAllister. Yep. And for a while, they had Samari Roll as well. Mm-hmm. So Reed literally was the guy just standing back there making plays. Yeah. I mean, literally, when you say free reign, because obviously you get to a certain level and you now have to fit into the system. You have to do your assignments. It's very rare where you get a guy like Reed who you can literally just say, hey, sit back there, do what you feel. Yeah. And that's what he did. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, if you uh, if you listen to Bill Belichick talk about um, – you know, about Ed Reed, that's one of the things that he'll always tell you is the most frustrating part because being the chess master that Bill is, you, you know, Reed was the, the one piece that could move anywhere he wanted to on the board. Yeah. And uh, and it's really hard to scheme against that and just the instincts that he would have. You know, a lot of players try to play the way that Ed Reed plays and they can't make it in the NFL because that, that doesn't fly. But just his instincts, his speed, the fluidity of, of how he could change directions – uh, just made him a once-in-a-lifetime kind of player, and that's, to me, why he's the best safety of all time. Yeah. And, you know, um, kind of going back to why I originally brought this up, um, you know, you had made the post uh, on Facebook about him and kind of the Destrahan roots and stuff like that. You got you saw uh, Coach Parquet in, in, in the audience. You saw Miss Hall in the audience who's p- – two people that most Destrahan alum are familiar with. Yeah. Um, and you, you talk about the guy who didn't forget his roots, and you mention how those people or those type of people help you mold in uh, you know what you are today. You know, Let's talk about this. How much did playing for Destrahan football help you later in life? Wow. Um, I mean, it, 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 it helped tremendously. Um, you know, a lot of – a lot of people don't realize the kind of um, effort and you know support that goes into Destrian football, not just for the football team, but you know for helping set people up to succeed. You know, um, we had just you know the instilling the idea of traditions. You know, like you you have to do certain things just because that's the way that they're done. Um, you know, a lot of times it gets overlooked in society these days. Um, you know, as, as kind of backwards, but it just, it taught you respect. And, um, you know, like you're, you're not going to disrespect the team because you want to have your helmet off on the sideline. Um, and so it sounded silly. And at the time I hated it, uh, and I didn't really get it. Uh, but I'm super thankful for it. You know, it's, it's kind of like that, uh, that kid that was messing up at, you know, 15 and didn't understand why his dad was punishing him so much, you know, or, or was so hard on him. You don't get it then, but you really appreciate it now. And, um, you know, the tradition, you had to shave before game night. You know, you couldn't go out there with any kind of facial hair. Not that I could grow anything. It's coming in nicer now. Uh, but when I was when I was uh, 17, it definitely, you know, uh, I was better off shaving it anyway. So thanks, Coach Robe. Um, but, um, you know, 
just having those traditions of, you know, we're going to do this all the same way because we're a team. Um, you know, people lose that a lot these days, the importance of teamwork and the importance of selflessness and that we're all coming together for one goal and knowing that know what your role is in that goal. Well, it's, it goes back to that, uh, old classic saying, you know, uh, too many guys care more about the name on the back than the one on the front. Mm. And ultimately the one on the front's what you're playing for. Now, of course the name on the back is obviously a representation of you, but it's not just you, it's your family. So, you know, you got to wear the, you got to wear both of those names with some pride and humility and, you know, in a way that you're going to want to be remembered by. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, let's, let's switch the gears here now. Um, I, I'm, I'm done with the serious talk. Well, all right. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm done with the serious talk because this is serious business, but, uh, you and I, man, we got, uh, we got quite the fantasy season ahead of us. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. So Andrew and I have been in a fantasy league together for five years now. This has been four years with – we're going into our fourth year with Dirty Dozen, which is really when the league kind of got ultra competitive. Yeah. Um, you played in the previous league, and you know as well as I do, there were three or four teams that by midseason just didn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, and for the last four or three seasons – we have had rules set to where you have to give a shit, otherwise you're going to pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So you and I have been in this league, and because it's 12 teams, our season ends after week 12, um, playoff start. And so that week one matchup is the most important because it's the only person on the schedule that you're going to see there twice. And uh, I have the distinct pleasure of kicking your ass twice this season, and I can't wait. I can only hope that you're slightly good enough so that I can pull the hat trick on you, Mike, because <laughs> we all know that at Mr. Six and Six, like it's not a lock for you to make the playoffs. And um, we all know that uh, apart from a very down year last year for me, which was uncharacteristic, thanks, David Johnson, uh, that I'm usually at the top. So hopefully I don't get a bye week uh, this year. Hopefully I can face you in the, the, the week 13 first round of the playoffs. And uh, we can get this this clean sweep over over with. Well, let's talk about this, man. I mean, right now Mike Hutard has the winning record against Andrew Blackwell, so I, I'll hang my hat on I've, that. I've yet to confirm this with the league standings. Um, oh, I, I can confirm it. Yeah, but I mean, okay, so this is just in dirty dozens, though. You haven't gone back through through the years. Well, I mean, considering the previous years, the leagues you were in, I won the championships most of those years. I, I'd say I had better seasons. Doesn't uh, doesn't mean you beat me. Yeah, well, the dirty dozen counts though. There's a reason I don't count those championships either anymore. Um, but but you bring them up every time you're on air. Absolutely not. Yes, I don't. Do. I don't. I don't. Anyway, yeah, last year was a bit of an anomaly, uh, but we're gonna be bouncing back, and I'm excited for the opportunity. Uh, like I said, to go with the hat trick, uh, at the very least, you know, two zero puts me back in the lead, uh, squarely where I belong, and I really think that about this time next year we're gonna be having a much different conversation. Yeah, because I'm going to be hoisting the championship over my head. It's going to be great. First of all, you have to hoist a bat to get a wiffle ball over the fence, which, let's be honest, I don't think I don't see it happening for you. So what's your strategy picking 12th, Mike? I mean, the same thing as last year. Just take all the scraps that no one wants and ride them, meaning Falcons. So knowing knowing that, we're, that you're going to take the entire Browns team this year. Um, I won't be taking the entire Browns team. 
because I think a lot of people are going to take Baker. I think a lot of people are going to go after OD and Juice and all those guys. I'm still riding pretty with Julio because they're going to leave him there way too late. So at 12, you're not you're not taking Odell Beckham if he's there at 12 because you're going to have the 12th pick. It depends on what running backs are there. You're not going to take Nick Chubb at 12. I might. Okay. <laughs> so then at 13 on the snake back, you're not taking Odell Beckham. Kareem Hunt. Wow. <laughs> wow. No, man. Um. So let's let's talk about this wiffle ball thing. So first of all. Have you looked at you? I mean, yeah. you're, you're built like a T-Rex. How do you expect to get the ball over the fence? Yeah, just contact, really. Just make contact. <laughs> um, you know, baseball is never my strong suit. I know. Um, so I've watched you. Yeah, in the past the past couple of years, I have completely decimated uh, the, the pre-draft competitions. Uh, placed in third, I believe, in uh, laser tag. Uh, first last year. I got second in laser Shout tag. Shout out to France. And... Uh, what did we do the year before that? Stupid beer pong or something? Yeah, we did a beer pong game. It was totally random. It was fun. Nah, it was, was kind of lame. Well, anyway, uh, don't remember how I, I finished there, but safe to say this will probably be my worst performance. Um, but how many home runs are you? How many dingers are you hitting? Uh, how many? How many swings are we taking? Uh, I think we're gonna do five outs. So five outs. Yeah. So okay. hmm. I think you're gonna end with a goose egg. I'm good for three. I'm good for three, which I think puts me about fourth worst in our league. Yeah, I'm going to give you a little word of advice here and take it, leave it, do whatever you want with it. You probably won't either way, but I should bunt. Yeah, bunt. Mm -hmm. I've I've watched you play cabbage ball. You try to kill the ball. You do Mm -hmm. that with a wiffle ball. You're going to completely screw it all up. And I Mm -hmm. can't wait to watch that unfold. Yeah. See, and I know that. But like the brain, I know you the arm thing just doesn't. It yeah, doesn't you have the listen. brain of a meathead, so you're gonna go yeah. all in. So, yeah. look, this year I'm not looking to win. I'm just looking for Ryan Moore to lose. This <laughs> is what I'm looking for. <laughs> Andrew's gonna put a bounty on Ryan Moore before the pretty much. Pretty so much. who? So who's who's your uh, who's your pick to win the Derby? Uh, I mean, honestly, if it's not Ryan, um, then I think it's probably a, a bigger disappointment than the Patriots losing the championship <laughs> game after going 16-0. and um, As much as the guy talks about baseball, I mean. He's- considering that's, that, that's all he talks about in a fantasy football uh, group me is, is baseball, I'd be <laughs> baseball? highly, highly disappointed uh, if he comes out and, and, you know, brings in a dud. Uh, I think Danny's got a good shot. Uh, Danny's got a decent swing on him. Um, Stansberry, man. Stansberry, you know, so Stansberry's more of uh, of your friend than mine. Not that there's anything wrong with uh, old Stans, but, uh, you know, I don't know him as well outside the league. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of didn't give him that respect probably. So Stansberry's got a good shot. Ricky, uh, Ricky's gonna probably since the hip surgery, man. Ricky just, you know, I don't think he's gonna have enough torque to really pull the ball. No, I think he's gonna swing all arms and then uh, maybe get one over on the count of kale. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, no, man, that's that's gonna be a uh, that's gonna be a good time, man. Draft as usual, Labor Day weekend. Yep. Um, changing up the scenery this year, dude. Okay, so. I gotta, we gotta, gotta talk about this. One of my f- favorite uh, draft stories: <laughs> Fox and the Hound. What the hell? Fox and the Hound. Yeah, <laughs> dude. So we, uh, I had called them, set it up, 
told them, hey, we want to draft this date. Well, we go to Fox and the Hound on our draft date right after we finish Laser Tag. The place is closed. Not just, hey, we're closed for the day. No, like, they're closed, closed. They shut down. And uh, I'm like, y'all are, y'all are, y'all are yanking my chain here. Y'all are messing with me. Because Andrew and Ricky come running back to Laser Tag telling me this. I'm just like, dude, y'all are assholes. And Ricky's like, no, like, I'm not kidding. It's one of your monstrous fails as commissioner. <laughs> dude, they didn't even let me know. Um, I called them probably a week prior to confirm everything was good to go. And then we get there, they're closed. But luckily, I came through in the clutch. Buffalo Wild Wings hooked it up. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Buffalo Wild Wings, I feel like, is the only place uh, for your draft party. If you're going off-site, um, shout-out to B-Dub Squared. <laughs> That was a that was a good time. That's where the spreadsheet got brought in. Mm. But uh, no, man, we uh, we got spreadsheet it. gate. <laughs> spreadsheet gate. Still on an indefinite suspension. <laughs> but no, man, it's it's gonna be fun, man, and I cannot wait uh, by the season's end when I finally break the Norv Turner six and six streak and I uh, win eight games this season, mm. and I, I'm sitting pretty. Are you gonna give us a? I'm not going seven and nine. Uh, spiel. Can yeah, I'm not. I'm not going seven and nine. It's never gonna happen. Never gonna have the losing record ever. Okay. Um. On on record right now, so that way everybody can hear. If you go six and six, aka seven and nine, will you grow out the 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 pedo stash? You act like that's a. <laughs> you act wait 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 wait. But wear it until the next season. Oh God. No, not doing that. Yeah? So you're not confident at all? I'm not making that bet. I have everything to lose there. You're not confident. Yep. You heard it there, folks. I'm not. No, I'm not making that bet. Mike Hotard coming in 6-6 six and six again. Okay, so if I... All right, so what happens with you, though, if I don't come in 6-6? Six and six? Let's. You still have to thing. shave your eyebrow from LeBron James leaving Miami. <laughs> so really, like, you can't really do any kind of facial hair thing with me right now. Until until that debt's paid. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 fair. I'm I was never gonna shave my eyebrows. You also never bought me the beer tower that was supposed to be uh in in, in place of the eyebrow. Where where have we been that I could buy that beer tower? As a commissioner of our football league, I feel like you could have gotten us a spot where they serve beer towers. Maybe. I, I don't know of that place in New Orleans though. I'm open to suggestions. I'll find one. I'll Google it as soon as the show's over. Perfect. We'll do that then. You know, we'll get you that beer tower you've been mm-hmm. longing for. Because mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I I uh I changed it to a slap bet when LeBron did leave Cleveland, and uh, I was you were the one that I was like, no, you're not touching me. Yeah, you're not never, putting your hands on me. Never got a slap bet either. So no, not happening. But um, no man. Um, aside from that, you know. Good old, uh, good old football season. Anything you're looking forward to? Uh, cold fronts mainly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, no, but uh, in all seriousness, I think the NFL is going to be really exciting this year. Uh, we got a lot of, um, you know, a lot of movement in the league and a lot of, uh, a lot of exciting rookies. You know, look, I don't know if you've been watching the preseason, but Daniel Jones. Looks like he might be the real deal, you know? Does Eli Manning get benched? I don't know. I, I The only thing that I can How think of... How bad are of, the Redskins going to be? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. The only thing I can think of when I think of Daniel Jones is the old guy at the draft 
who they cut to as soon as the Giants drafted him, and he's just mouthing, he can't throw the ball. <laughs> I don't know. A kid threw the ball really well last night. So, um, no, I mean, it's just it's going to be an exciting year. Uh, the Saints, um, you know, I, we're returning almost everybody except Mark Ingram, uh, which obviously I'm still a little hurt about. But uh, understand that, you know, uh, sometimes you got to make those tough decisions. Um, but, yeah. Oh, can't hear me there. Yep. But, uh, no, I uh, I think it's interesting what the NFL is doing right now in terms of the, the shift. Um, and what I mean by that is you're seeing a lot more running backs pop up than previous years. Um, the, the NFL is so cyclical to a T. It goes through phases where it gets pass happy and everyone just wants to rely on quarterbacks to throw it 35 times, 40 times a game. Um, you know, for five years, and then it just kind of finds its way back. And it's starting to get back to that point, not, not necessarily to the extreme of us growing up, because, right. I mean, dude, what the running backs were back then or what the quarterbacks are now. I mean, there was 23, 24 deep that were surefire starters on yep. those teams. Yep. Um, and But you're getting a lot of these young running backs, which is going to be interesting for fantasy as well. Um, just because you have the Alvin Kamara's, the Christian McCaffrey's, David Johnson's, uh, Saquon's, mm-hmm. so <laughs> you're done with you're I'm done done with David Johnson. Done with David. Two Johnson. years in a row. I'm done. I'm sure he's going to do really well in Cliff uh, Kingsbury or whatever. However you say his last name's uh, offense. You know, a lot more passes. You know, a lot more spread uh, going to him. But that offensive line is still terrible. Uh, and you know, you got a, a, a rookie quarterback and. Kyler Murray that I think is going to be great, but at the same time, he's still a rookie. And so, nope, I'm not a believer in David Johnson. I'm not taking him. Can't win with him. Can't cannot, coach him. Cannot do it. Cannot, cannot do, do it. it. Um, no, man. I. Uh, what about Saints, man? How do you uh, – I? you know, I, we've talked about this um, quite a bit uh, heading into this season. Drew Brees this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know you kind of have similar concerns. You're not as sold on it as I am, but I know you've you and I have talked about the same concern that maybe Breeze hits a wall finally. Ah, uh, I wouldn't call it hitting a wall, um, but you know he, he certainly he certainly is lacking the velocity on his on his deep passes that he used to have. Um, and and the thing with Drew is you know he never exactly had a cannon for an arm. No, uh, that a lot of people. Uh, who are critical of his performance last year in the last couple of weeks, uh, kind of tend to forget. Like, he he would underthrow Devery Henderson a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's not like this is necessarily new for a new problem for Drew or a new problem for Sean Payton to work around. I think the addition of Jared Cook is going to help, um, you know, in that, in that midfield game. And he's not going to have to throw the ball 40 yards down the field uh, to be successful. And he hasn't had to for a long time. So – I think we're going to be okay. Uh, we definitely need that speed back, though. Um, you know, Ted Ginn was was uh, fantastic for us as far as just you know pulling the safeties a little bit deeper so that those deeper crosses uh, kind of open up for for the offense. And um, you know, you still have Kamara coming out of the backfield. Um, you know, so I, and and you still have what the third and uh, according to your. Uh, PFF rankings, offensive line in the NFL, uh, in the Saints. I mean, we're we're returning everybody there. Yeah. Hopefully, we get a uh, a, a healthy Armstead because that's a difference maker for Dude, us. Dude, when Armstead is healthy, 
that offensive line doesn't move. Armstead is such a mm-hmm. huge, huge, huge piece. Um, but the good thing is with them getting Ryan Ramzik, uh, I mean, that kid's the definitely the future. He's an, he's an absolute stud. So having those yep. two anchor the line mm-hmm. at the tackle position, when those two are in, you're not getting past that brick wall. And you very, you very rarely get such a, uh, an ambidextrous uh, tackle. Uh, that you have in Ryan Ramchak. I mean, he doesn't miss a beat sliding from the right to the left. Um, you know, we, we, we have versatile players up and down the line with uh, with Pete and, um, you know, Will Clapp uh, out of LSU. Um, so we have a lot of depth, a lot of – a lot of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Versatility yeah. uh, with the offensive line. So as long as they can stay healthy, they can keep Drew healthy, and yeah. I, I think that we can roll. Well, what's crazy is you look at the history of the offensive line with Sean Payton. You know, for the longest time, you had the best guard combo in the league, bar none. It wasn't even close when you had Jari Evans and Carl Nix. Mm-hmm. Um, you also had good tackles like Bushrod and uh, John Stinchcomb, which eventually turned into Zach Streif. Um, all pro John Stinchcomb. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, no, I mean – Realistically speaking, this with Armstead and Ramsick, um, that might be the best duo of offensive linemen, and that I, as far as the Saints had have had under Sean Payton, um, you know everything that Carl Nix and Jari Evans were. Now, granted, it's a little unfair to compare the positions because one being a guard combo, the other being a tackle combo. But dude, when, when I'm not kidding, when Armstead is in. It's night and day with that offensive line. Yeah, yeah, and you know, let's let's be completely honest here. Uh, Ramchak is already, you know, three times the offensive tackles that Stinchcomb and uh, yeah and Streif were. So um, honestly, you take that, and you know, a lot of people look at uh, at Pete as somewhat of a bust since we took him so high in the first. He fills in. He's honestly probably when he's healthy, also because he's he gets dinged up a lot as well. When he's healthy also, he's probably, I would put him top two left guards in the entire NFL. Like, so, and, and you know, and that's just from the, the athleticism, the power that he has. Um, you know, in, in that offense, I think that he's highly underrated uh, in that standpoint. So, uh, you know, show, show, show Pete some love. Now, I think the big question, though, with the Saints, because what I was talking about with Breeze potentially hitting the wall – I think, I think if this were to happen last year, where Breeze just takes a in a step back, I don't think it matters much because of how weak the division was last year. Atlanta was dinged up, uh, Cam Newton was unhealthy, and then Tampa was just Tampa. But this magic, man. <laughs> but this year. Um, Tampa's got a new coaching staff. I think they'll be a little bit better, although I still think they're the bottom feeder of the South. Um, but if Cam Newton's healthy, Carolina's got an unbelievable defense, and obviously with Christian McCaffrey emerging, uh, that can turn into a very deadly offense, uh, and one that's not really going to turn the ball over much. Is That's one of the things that Carolina does well, kind of that Baltimore effect. Yeah, They're going to just pin you back and – play the field position game which is why they you know cam newton actually he has a winning record against or he has the best record against all the elite quarterbacks meaning brady rogers breeze 
his record is right on par with them. He's around 500 with them, which is super impressive considering how much they dominate the field. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that's because of Carolina's ability to just play the field field position game and make you make mistakes. Yeah. Um, But then also you have Atlanta, which, again, dinged up last year. I think they're going to be a lot better. I think the South is about to get back to some serious, serious competition. Yeah. um, I'd agree with all those things. I still think that the Saints reign uh, on top. Um, You know, as much of a Saints fan as I am, it's hard to – really give Atlanta the amount of respect that they deserve. Um, but they do. They have, they have a solid offensive line. Now they do. Uh, at now, least. at least. Um, you know, Matt Ryan, I, I do not believe, is a top 10 quarterback. No. Um, but he is certainly one that is capable of winning in this league. Uh, and then you have you have probably one of the better receiving cores. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I'll include the, the tight end with Hooper in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of weapons. Uh, obviously, they lost Coleman. Yeah, um, but a, a healthy Devonte Freeman is uh, you know about as good as you're going to get um, you know in in the league that um, you know uh, at this time. So their defense is getting better. They're super athletic, especially at linebacker. Um, and so yeah, like they're they're definitely a formable opponent. I would actually put them a smidge ahead of Carolina um, just off of offensive talent. Um, yeah. And then uh, didn't Carolina lose a offensive lineman? They may have. Yeah. Um, I'd have to go back and look. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the South, like I said, I I think that's going to be a war this year with those three South teams, assuming that uh, Cam Newton is healthy. Because, dude, that was, that was crazy to watch. That game against the Saints last year, you could tell. Uh, Cam didn't have one pass attempt beyond 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, dude. I just remember watching that game, and I'm just thinking to myself, why haven't they shut him down yet? Like this is just stupid. Mm-hmm. If he's your quarterback and your season's already gone, shut it down. Play for next year. Who cares at this point? Yeah, I mean, I'll never understand that either. Other than um, maybe them just giving Cam the decision uh, whether or not he wanted to play. Um, I don't understand all the hate for Cam Newton. I don't either. Uh, I love Cam. Dude. I know. I know. I'll get a lot of uh, pushback about this, but um, yeah, he could be better when he loses. He's he's a little bit of a crybaby, um, but that's not to be confused with the fact that he's a super competitor. Yeah. And so I, I think the only thing that I can think of for that decision last year was they said, "Hey, Cam, how you feel?" He said, "I'm playing," and uh, and they didn't they didn't step in and protect the player at that point, which honestly is a huge fail on Ron Rivera's part um, because there was no reason he should have been out there. No, absolutely not, especially, you know, you want to talk about, or I want to talk about Breeze falling off a cliff and there gets to a certain point in the season where he just doesn't have that arm strength. Cam literally had none. It was it was terrible to watch just because it's like, again, why why is he out there and, like you said, if if it was Cam's decision, which I'm sure it was, being a competitor that he is, um, you know, at that point you just got to step in and say, "Hey, look, let's pull the reins back." There's no sense in doing this. We're playing for essentially nothing right now. Yeah, and honestly, it was a lot like watching a lion without its claws, right? Because yeah. like Cam Newton, uh, he's not exactly the most accurate passer in the NFL, no. and so and he's he- got terrible throwing mechanics. I mean, he yeah. throws all upper bodies, so when that shoulder goes, Cam is going with it. Yeah. 
And and so, I mean, with him not being able to sling it in there to his big targets, um, you know, and, and, and essentially trying to protect it also by not running as much, I mean, it was really kind of a shell of a quarterback to watch. Which honestly, though, when when they took him, I was highly critical of the the pick. I oh, same uh, here. yeah, I, I was extremely happy as a Saints fan that uh, Cam Newton was coming to the division, and uh, he he definitely has um, you know outplayed any anything that I would have given him credit for when he came out of of college. Uh, but I think you're seeing it now. You're 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 starting to see the the descend of Cam Newton because once those physical attributes kind of start fading, um, you know, he really just doesn't have the touch on the ball. He doesn't have the, um, you know, the, the elite decision-making and, 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 you know, pre-snap reading as, as other quarterbacks have. Uh, So, you know, again, no, no ill will on anybody, uh, but as a Saints fan, you know, hopefully the era of MVP Cam Newton is coming to an end. You know, with, Cam, it's funny. One of my favorite videos on the internet, um, you may have seen it, but uh, there's a video on YouTube about, uh, or it's just a compilation of quarterbacks' funniest cadences. Yeah. Um, And Cam Newton is on there. He's actually the first clip on there. I can't remember who they were playing. And uh, one of the linebackers kept screaming, wheel, watch the wheel, watch the wheel by the running back. And uh, Cam just looks at him and goes, you watch film too, huh? And the guy goes, yeah. He goes, cool, watch this. And snaps it. And instead of the wheel, he fakes the wheel and cuts in for the slant. And they wind up scoring on the on the two-yard line. But yeah. I was just like, dude, that was awesome. Hey, you watch film too, huh? Yeah, watch this. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. You know, he's he's one of the better smack talkers uh, at, the, at the quarterback yeah. position, which is, is refreshing to me. I mean, I – I know you know people want their quarterbacks to walk a certain way and talk a certain way, and uh, we've got one of them in Drew Brees. But honestly, Drew can sometimes be boring with how um, you know Manila he is at uh, at interviews. So I I appreciate Cam Newton as a as a player as an entertainer. I uh, just wish he wasn't in our division. Yeah, I uh, you know talking about quarterbacks. You and I had that conversation a couple of weeks ago, just talking about leadership and. Um, you know, just the mentality of some of these guys. And you and I are both a big fan of this guy, but uh, Baker Mayfield, man. Um, we were talking about uh, – it stemmed from the leadership with Aaron Rodgers, who is not even close to one of the best leaders in the league at the quarterback position. But as far as talent goes, I mean, he's he's above the folds completely. Yeah. Um, but then we started talking about the leadership, and I had mentioned, like, you know, in terms of leadership, I mean, I wouldn't take Rodgers over Baker, and I had mentioned a handful of other guys, but as far as leaders go, uh, true leaders on and off the field, like guys you can tell locker rooms just want to play for, dude, I don't know that we have seen a more polarizing figure in the last couple of years than Baker, dude. Yeah, you know, so the going back to the Aaron Rodgers leadership point, um, you know, you, you kind of have to, to walk a fine line in the NFL because it is a business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these guys, they, you know, they're, they're there one day and then the team's telling them that they're the future. And then the next day they, you know, they're, they're kicking them in the can, yeah. to the can. And um, so I understand that at that point, the only unit that you should be loyal to is your family and doing what's best for your family. So I cannot you know, get on guys for making more selfish moves. 
uh, like Melvin Gordon uh, right now or Ezekiel Elliott. Like, I get it uh, 100%. But with people like Baker Mayfield, I think what it is that's making him such a great leader is that he's still got that football in him. He's still yeah. got that. You you know you're wearing the same color as I am, so that means we're we're brothers on the field right now. Yeah, and if that means that I've got to you know stick my head out there and and dive for the first down, I'm going to dive for the first down because that's what we need as a team. And that just kind of goes back to the whole, you know, uh, sacrificing the good you know your, uh, you know what's best for you, for what's best for the team. Now obviously you need to have a line, and, and I get that, but Baker Mayfield might be the most refreshing. Um, you know, young player where it's not just about what's best for Baker Mayfield. It's yeah. about what's best for the team. And he got in a little bit of trouble this offseason calling uh, Duke Johnson out for it. I loved it, though. Yeah. Um, and I get it. You know, hey, it's, you know, he Duke Johnson was trying to do what's best for his family. Uh, and ultimately it know. works for him. He got traded. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm a – you saw it in college too. You know, Baker Mayfield was one of the most highly criticized quarterbacks, namely by uh, Colin Cowherd, primarily. <laughs> uh, you know, your, your idol. Not anymore. Not anymore. That those days are gone, man. He's he sold out. But uh, no, one of my favorite videos is him just getting on Cowherd's show and just completely obliterating him. Cowherd shows a two-second clip of Baker running away from his teammates during yeah. a touchdown yeah. celebration at Oklahoma. And uh, Cowherd was like, well, this looks like selfishness. And Baker goes, why don't you play the whole clip then, you dunce? Because I went and ran to cheer with our student section who traveled to watch us play. Right. So I went to cheer with them, and then I went to celebrate with my teammates. So next time, show the whole clip. So that's what I like about Baker. Like, there's no sugarcoating. It is, I'm going to tell you the facts. I'm going to tell you like it is. And, I again, it's that breath of fresh air. Seeing that kind of moxie from a quarterback is awesome. Yeah, but there's there's there, there's a different feel, though, right, with Baker. Than, because you know who else had moxie? It was was Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of guys, if you talk to a lot of his old teammates, like, they love to play for him, too. Yeah. Um, you know, and so to, to sit here and, um, and, and both in one breath praise Baker, but in the other one, you know, um, not that we brought Johnny, Man- I brought Johnny Manziel, but in the other breath, you know, not, um, you know, have that double standard. I think it's important to point out the distinctions that when Johnny Manziel was, was, was vocal, oftentimes it was about him, but when Baker's vocal, it's about the team. Yeah. And, um, honestly, other than Cowherd looking for, you know, talking points and clickbait, you know, material. I, I can't see how anyone can can be anything but super optimistic about not only Baker Mayfield but the Browns. The Browns yeah. Uh and, and I'm super excited about it. Um, you know, I as a as a part time Ravens fan, uh, you know, I've I've been highly critical of the Browns for a long time, but man, I love what they're doing down there. They got Juice and Odell together. Um, they've got a, a, a superstar backfield uh, when Kareem Hunt comes back, uh, regardless how you feel about him as a person. I mean, as a runner, I think he's he's proven over the last couple yeah. of years uh, his his value there. You got a young athletic tight end in Njoku. Um, 
you know, you got Callaway that if he can get out of his own way is is a tremendously talented receiver. So there's he's suspended nothing. again. Yeah, it's crazy with that much speed. I was telling someone that the other day with Callaway, with him having that much speed, if he plays on the same field as Odell and Jarvis, dude, yep. that's a dangerous, dangerous game. But damn, he's a head case. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of my favorite uh, Baker videos too from last year. So Nick Chubb, uh, during the game that he had the three carries for 100 yards, uh, on the first touchdown he scored, um, Baker runs up to him on the sidelines and all the offensive line are sitting there talking about the play, how good it was, and Baker just runs up and he was like, yeah, yeah, hey, but did you see my handoff? Did you see how good my handoff was? And he's like beating up the offensive lineman about it and like, one of my favorite parts is a couple of series later, someone came up and talked to him um, on the on the sideline, and he did the same thing. And again, this is well beyond the the play. And he was just like, "Yeah, but did you see my handoff earlier?" Yeah, I was just like, "Dude, that's awesome!" Like, just a guy out there like having fun. Like, that's what he he brings back that element of backyard football yeah. to the game, and yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's you know again a, a lot of people you know, want to be super critical of everything athletes do. And they forget they're playing a game. Yeah. So um, to just kind of watch that energy, it's refreshing um, that, you know, just how he plays the game. You know, he, he's got that little hint of Brett Favre in him. He's going to take that deep shot. He's, he's, you know, uber confident. So he can shrug it off when it doesn't work out. And he's out there having fun with his guys. And so not only is he holding people accountable, but he's having fun. Uh, it's, it's one of the most impressive early leadership uh, examples I think that we've had since probably Peyton Manning, and I'll be honest, I would not have wanted Peyton Manning as my leader. Um, you know, uh, not to say, not take anything away from him from what he was able to do as a leader, but personally, I'm playing for Baker uh, yeah. way harder than I'm playing for Peyton. Yeah. So, well, the thing is with Peyton, he's a leader, but in the sense, the second you start messing up once or twice, yeah. he's going to turn on you, yeah. and you're no longer worthy of playing on the same field as him. Peyton is every bit that stuck up, I guess, rich New Orleans boy that you would expect him to be. Well, I mean, I I would call him more of a uh, more of a CEO type. Like he's as you know, he's he's going to you know be completely honest with you as far as the value that you you bring to the team. Whereas Baker kind of is more of that, like you said, that backyard. It's me and my boys, and we're gonna ride or die no matter what. Yeah. Um. You know, Peyton's got a little bit more of you know that that harsher, you know, hey, you know, you just you you don't run as fast as you used to and you know, because your routes aren't that great, like I'm yeah. not throwing you the ball no more. So <laughs> um but yeah, I, I mean I I to get back to the point though, I think it's just the most impressive um early stretch of leadership from a quarterback uh since Peyton Manning and we all know how that worked out. So yeah. if it's any indication Baker's got a huge bright future ahead of them god i hope so as well as the uh the cleveland brown which uh the cleveland browns which that city uh needs and deserves because um you know you they're cleveland yeah they're cleveland, they're cleveland. Uh, you know <laughs> i mean all they have is lebron and drew carey you know <laughs> so but uh yeah man well cool i uh is there anything else that uh you want to plug before we get on out of here nope just um you know I know it's hard, guys, but keep watching and tune back in this time next year <laughs> so that I can gloat about the sweep and the hat trick. Uh, and Won't happen. Really Won't get happen. to the bottom of, of, you know, this whole fantasy football thing. 
nah, you're uh, pretty much as good as done, man. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna cling on to that two and one record against you. I'm gonna uh, elevate that to four and one, and I can't wait to watch you fizzle out of the playoffs yet again. So yeah. if you're gonna cling on to it as hard as you've clinged on to your hairline, I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, um, <laughs> the knee slap. That's my Dave Chappelle knee slap right there. Yeah, well, you know what? It's going to be fun watching you T-Rex the shit out of a wiffle ball, so eat shit, homie. All right, yep, we'll see what happens. The show is coming to an end. It's time for the No Huddle. The No Huddle is a segment in which I will dive into a series of topics as fast as possible. Clock starts now. So for episode three's No Huddle, I asked you guys for topics on Facebook a couple of, well, about a week ago, and uh, I'm super excited. I got some great topics, and uh, we're going to start with one that my buddy Devin suggested, and before we get into that first topic, got to give my boy a shout out. Go find his podcast page, Hold the Mayo, really awesome content, really funny stuff. Uh, If you're into the unfiltered sports talk like I tend to have uh, a footprint on you'll enjoy his content he's fantastic he's putting out great stuff hold the mayo go search it on facebook but this is from my boy Devin. clock starts now first topic aew versus wwe the war that is brewing so i, I jumped back into wwe the second i found out the rock was coming back to take on john cena so that was 2010 maybe and I've been a pretty big WWE supporter since then. However, that has switched up in the last year and a half to two years because the product has gone stale. Aside from Bray Wyatt, who's now The Fiend, there's not a whole lot going on there that I have much interest in. It's the same regurgitated bullshit over and over and over again. And because there's no competition, they can hoard the talent and just pay them to sit on the sidelines. You've seen this done with guys like uh, EC3, but... That being said, October marks the start of the new wars. Won't be the Monday Night Wars, but we're looking at Wednesday Night Wars as WWE is trying to put uh, NXT, which is their developmental territory, on TV now uh, to combat with AEW's weekly programming. So it's going to be awesome. I'm all in on AEW, no pun intended. I'm going for uh, Team Rhodes all the way. Next up, uh, this was suggested by my wife as we leave in a week for our next Disney trip. We do it every year. Yes, we're those couples that just go every year because, well, Disney's awesome. And if you don't think so, well, I don't care. But uh, she asked what my our best Disney trip was, essentially, because let's face it, been with her since I was 15, and I haven't been to Disney without her. So yes, it will apply that it's our Disney trip. I don't know what the best one was because they've all been great. Um, I I think one of my favorite and most memorable ones was uh, was the time we went right before she got pregnant. I thought that was cool. One of the cool moments is a superstitious thing we did was we went behind Cinderella's castle. Uh, they have the wishing well back there. We wish for a baby. A couple of months later, here comes our baby. We find out she's pregnant. That was an awesome moment given, 
you know, our struggles with trying the first go-round. I thought it was awesome that, you know, we get back and it happened shortly after. So for those of you who say Disney doesn't have magic, bullshit. Um, speaking of Disney, next up I want to talk about something that I came up with on my own, and that's the uh, the Rise of Skywalker trailer uh, that just dropped. So the, the third and final movie of the new saga of the Star Wars. Dude, it looks dope. I, I really enjoyed The Force Awakens. The Last Jedi, I fell off a little bit with it, and I know a lot of people felt the same, but man, this looks like it's going to wrap up in a big way. I am super excited about it. And speaking of Disney, whenever we go, Galaxy's Edge will be open. The Star Wars hoopla, hoopla is out and in full force. So uh, when The Force Awakens, I'm sorry, The Rise of Skywalker drops, I'm going to be super pumped for that. It looks like it's going to be a hell of a wrap-up to that series. Next up is the Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater fiasco here. Everyone keeps asking who's the next Saints quarterback. Who is taking over when Drew Brees eventually retires? Will it be Taysom Hill? Will it be Teddy Bridgewater? I got an answer for you, and it's neither of them. The Saints can't go all in on either of these guys for a couple of reasons. So I posted this big, long thing about Bridgewater after seeing WWL blow so much sunshine up a guy's ass who is nothing more than a backup and nothing less than a backup. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. There's a lot of guys in the league, the Chase Daniels of the world, who make a career off backups, and when you need them to fill in, they answer the call. That's what Teddy Bridgewater is, and that's fine. Um... But the big debate here is, is it him or is it Taysom Hill? Look, Teddy Bridgewater, he's solid, but his ceiling isn't very high. He's going to consistently give you fours and fives every week, but aside from that, you're not getting much else. Taysom Hill, while he's appealing because of all the things he can do, because of that whole Swiss Army knife factor, yeah, great. He's still raw and unpolished, and quite frankly, with the roster that they have now, They'd be better off trying to draft a guy who is more polished that can come in and take over and win with the roster. Bottom line. So my answer to that, neither of them. Over uh, in another realm of the sports world, the Little League World Series, this topic suggested by my good buddy Ryan. Uh, I did get to watch the last little bit of the finals in which... One of our hometown teams from good old River Ridge, Louisiana, just outside of New Orleans, captured uh, the first World Series title for the state of Louisiana. Pretty big deal here. Supposedly there there is going to be a parade. I believe uh, President Trump invited them to the White House. So they're getting a lot of publicity, and it's well-deserved. That team is fantastic. I, I caught bits and pieces of several games throughout. I'd, I'd watch it when I could. Um, but... There's nothing quite like the Little League World Series. It's always a fun thing to watch. It's cool to see, you know, 12-year-olds step into that limelight a little bit, see how they rise to the occasion, and also just kind of flash their personalities a little bit. And one I want to talk about is literally from my backyard, Reese Roussel, who set the record for hits in a single World Series. I believe he finished with 17 or 18 hits. He hit over 700. Uh, his slugging percentage was through the roof. The kid was tearing the cover off the ball. 
Um, so shout out to him. Shout out to that whole squad because they were awesome. They were fun to watch. If you went on Facebook and you're from Louisiana, you saw everyone rallying around them. Even if they don't care about baseball, it gave them a reason to care. This is why sports are awesome. It does bring the world closer together sometimes. So really cool stuff. But shout out to them and congrats on that team winning uh, the Little League World Series. Real great stuff. And lastly, for the final topic, this was suggested by my buddy Kurt. I don't know really how to answer this one per se because I think it's a very complex topic and one that I'd honestly love to write an entire column on. So I might. But he asked what stadium or whose stadium has the biggest influence and impact of the game, Uh, meaning who's got the best home field advantage in sports across all sports. And that's tough to decipher because all the sports are so uniquely different. You know, I think it's harder for a quarterback to go into a ruckus crowd because you have to have those pre-snap reads. Basketball, once you get people in your ear because of the fast pace, because it's a very high intensity sport, I think momentum can kind of carry and break you up mentally a little bit if you maybe miss a couple of shots and someone starts hounding you and it can just trickle. Um, Baseball, kind of the same thing with the quarterback situation for opposing pitchers, you know? You don't want to throw because the second you make that mistake, well, it can all unfold in a hurry. It's an interesting conversation. But as far as, you know, crowds that can really get off their feet and get after their opponents, um, obviously being in New Orleans, the Superdome, when the Saints are good, holy crap, that place rocks. Um, Another really big market I can think of in the NFL, when they're good, it's tough to go in there, and that's CenturyLink up in Seattle. When the Seahawks are good, that crowd goes crazy. I mean, if you go back and look at the LOB, Legion of Boom, with Beast Mode, uh, when Pete Carroll first kind of jumped in there, dude, that was one of the toughest places to play. Um, You know, some other... Uh, hardcore crowds you can think of Uh, again coming from Louisiana even LSU as much as I hate them that's a loud crowd Uh, you don't want to get caught in Death Valley and speaking of another Death Valley you got to look at Clemson there's so many great fan bases and sports that you just don't want to play against Um, like I said that's an that's a whole topic I can write a ton on which like I said I might but those are kind of some of the first ones that come to mind Um, so that's a really good question, but overall, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. That does it for the no huddle offense. As always, you can tune in on the first and 15th of every month. You can watch us on Facebook and YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and anchor. So we'll upload these videos and, uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. I I appreciate everyone who has listened to all the episodes thus far. Uh, if you haven't, you know, go find us, hotardhuddle.com. I'll post them on there as well as Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. So uh, for those of you who tuned in, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you next time for the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest episodes released on the 1st and 15th of every month at hotardhuddle.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle.